Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Hello and welcome to Minnesota 68 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I am occasional filmmaker Andy Stewart. And I am an occasional walls dweller, Mitch Bain. You're not in the room, but what I will say is you're sounding pretty good. Thanks very much. Um, yeah, this is a. So we are Skyping, obviously, today, but uh, yeah, my setup's a little bit more static this time because huh. I am in Glasgow. So I'm, I'm a trusty laptop with my trusty microphone rather than uh, on the hop in a hotel room in London. You are in Glasgow kind of briefly. So that's kind of why we're doing this. Uh, yeah. So for timestamp purposes, uh, somewhat insanely, it is five minutes to eight on a Sunday morning right now. <laughs> and we have been up for a fair bit in advance. <laughs> Yeah, I've been up since quarter to six this morning. Uh, I'm finishing up doing this and then going straight to Edinburgh for um, Watchfires-related activity. Sure, 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 sure. Um, I have no such uh, creative endeavours beyond editing this. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and we couldn't do it yesterday because you were uh, you were uh, cut down in your prime by illness. <laughs> I'm still uh, I'm still dragging some lord gear around with me, if I'm perfectly honest. I can, I can hear it rattling around back there, but you're sounding okay. <laughs> Thank you. How are you anyway? Uh, illness and uh, ailments aside. The ailment seems to be receding. Uh, my mighty body seems to be beating it away. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> and uh, on the whole, I'm generally okay. Good. Have you been squeezing in any viewing at all this week? Well, I've watched quite a lot, uh, certainly in terms of kind of Fright Fest-related things, but uh, I did check out the first couple of episodes of The Dark Crystal, Age of Resistance. Now, I need to make room for this, but I also need to make room for Stranger Things 3 and a bunch of other stuff. <laughs> But yeah, people are going crazy for this. How, do, how are you finding it so far? And also, what's your investment in this going in? Like, how big a deal is this adaptation to you? Well, what I can tell you, what you know, actually, Mitch, is that uh, one of my life's ambitions was to work on the Muppets. Uh-huh. So my investment in The Dark Crystal has always been pretty massive. Uh-huh. I love The Dark Crystal. I loved, like, when I was a little boy, I loved the invention of it. I loved that it was weird and it was scary when I was a wee boy. And that kind of fascination followed through from the Muppets and things like the Dark Crystal then into Labyrinth and stuff like that as well. Um, okay. So I've always been a big fan of the Dark Crystal. In fact, me and my wife, Jackie, watched the Dark Crystal, the film from 1982, in preparation for starting to watch the Netflix series. Right, um, okay, so it's fair to, fair to say then that the stakes are pretty high. The stakes are high, but so far I'm pretty impressed. Uh, it's 37 years between the film and the series. Uh, some people might have said, why now? Why? But uh, I, it immediately feels like being back in a comfortable bosom of my puppet pals. Excellent, good, good. <laughs> because for the most part, we are dealing with puppets again. The Jim Henson workshop has stepped up and picked up almost almost exactly, I suppose, where they left off in 1982. Uh, obviously, yeah. there's a lot more digital involvement in the world in general and the kind of larger set pieces and stuff like that. But I, I'm, I'm willing to look past the digital stuff in respect of spectacle. 
Yeah, because, sure, sure. Because it's certainly a larger world and a, a, a larger, more involved story. I also think that it's just cool in 2019 to make the decision to kind of stick with puppetry. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and the puppets look kind of as shonky as they did in 1982, particularly the Gelflings. Yeah, it's it's cool. I, I would what I would say is. If you don't have a particular investment in the first one, or if the first one was never, or like the movie was never your your jam, I don't know if you're necessarily going to take a lot more away from this. Okay, okay, fair enough. Fair I'm enough. not convinced that the series will win you over if you didn't like the film. Okay, but from a from the perspective of a fairly big fan going in, this is ticking your boxes so far. It is, yeah, yeah. It's early days. Cool. Three episodes in. But like, like how many are there? Uh, I think there's ten. Cool. So yeah, off to a good start. That's good. Anything else going on? A couple of fright festy things. But I think you're probably a better place to talk about fright fest than I am. Well, I mean, um, obviously we've we kind of talked about this. That um, if you kind of keep an eye on your feeds, we're going to be going fairly in depth on some of the fright fest stuff in the coming weeks. But I obviously, since I got back, I got back on Tuesday, kind of rolled straight back into work. Was recording the episode with Nick on Wednesday, and I've had a fairly busy week, so um, I haven't squeezed in too much more viewing. So I do want to talk about a couple of things that I saw at fright fest. After we recorded the last mini-sode. Okay. Um, I just want to like, touch on a couple of things that I saw on the Monday, um, which actually, helpfully, you've also seen. All right, okay. Uh, so, yeah, we can talk about them a little bit together if you like. So, I saw on the Monday afternoon, uh, I did say I was going to go. I told him I'd go. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I saw Paddy Murphy's The Perished. Ah, yes, I have also seen this thanks to Paddy and a helpful screener link. Yeah, so, um, Paddy, you may remember from our Jason Goes to Hell episode. Yeah, great time, great chat. Yes, a lovely time indeed. And a lovely man. So, I will admit that when Paddy originally said that this was the film he was making and this was the issue he was tackling, I I did very much kind of look at it. I was like, okay, cool. I will definitely check this out 100%. But also, I really fucking hope you know what you're doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's, it's I, I think that, like, um, especially, I think that, and this kind of came up in the q and I think that if you're approaching approaching this issue as a man as well, and this being a story you're telling, I think that, like, you have to be ready to kind of answer some, uh, some questions about that and kind of, like, and I think that you have to be particularly sensitive in the way you handle the issue and stuff like that. And um, the general consensus after the screening was that he's managed to do that, and I agree. Yeah. And I think that The Perished manages everything it attempts really pretty well. I think that um, it's, a, it's a good piece of storytelling. I quite enjoy the creature stuff in it. Um, I think central performances are mostly pretty good. Yeah, I've got a few I, issues with some of the, the performances in it, but what I would say is Courtney McCune, the lead character, Sarah, I think she's generally pretty good. I, I agree. I, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think that um, I think that the whole thing's kind of anchored to her, and I think that she kind of she she handles that pretty well. Yeah, and um, what I would say is I've seen almost everything Paddy's ever made. I think. Ah. Uh-huh. And now it's kind of feels like it's all starting to fall into place. I agree. Uh, I think that the difference between this and the three don'ts is absolute night and day. Oh yeah, I think that um, it's not only like I say. I, th- I think that it's. I think it's a good piece of storytelling, and I think it's a good film, and I think that it's a, a good handling of a sensitive issue. But I think that it really feels like somebody kind of finding their voice and their style a little bit. Uh, see, I just um, another person that liked this, and I know this because I watched it with him. I think I forgot to tell you this actually. I watched The Perished with Joey Keogh. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, who people may remember from our Queen of the Damned episode and shitloads of excellent articles that are all over the internet. Um, 
And uh, she kind of had the same positive things to say about it as me. But I just want to tell you a quick story about before that screening started. We were sitting in the Prince Charles waiting for it to start. And um, we were sitting talking. And um, a guy that was sitting next to me, so kind of like on the other side of me, and Joey was like, he was on my left and Joey was on my right. Yeah. And uh, the guy said to Joey, hey, um, I recognize your voice. Were you on an episode of Strong Language and Violent Scenes? <laughs> To which Joey was like, oh, yes, I was. That's his podcast. <laughs> it's really funny that he recognised Joey's voice from one episode, but not yours from 140. That's <laughs> <laughs> exactly what I thought. That was... like, what the and then, the thing was, after such a, it was like such a surreal thing happened. And afterwards, Joey was like, right, be honest, was that staged? <laughs> Um, but no, uh, yeah. To to round off, I thought that I thought the Paris was really good. I, I think that Paddy and everybody else that worked on it should be um, very proud of themselves. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, Paddy's done something pretty cool here. He's done something cool with very limited resources. I think he should be proud of himself. And uh, I could see Paddy yep. going on to bigger projects down the line. I know that I've seen him on social media talking about doing some kind of Irish western. Oh my! Okay. <laughs> Um, he's definitely in a, it's a point where I'll follow anything that he does next with a fair amount of interest yeah what I will say as well is uh, some of the sound design in the parish is absolutely teeth grindingly disorienting like, uh, yes is that the the work of uh, Massimiliano Borghese <laughs> I believe uh, was the name well done you don't forget a name like that uh, yeah great work I agree uh, technically it's a massive leap forward as well I yeah think. and thank you to Paddy for actually finally like he said himself like he held his hands up and admitted this but uh, continue to get a sound designer on board. Yeah, it makes a difference. Also, want to talk about something that I think we have a bit of a difference of opinion on, um, which was the closing film. Uh, Abner Pastel's A Good Woman Is Hard to Find. Yeah. Um, so Abner Pastel, again, uh, you may remember him from our episode on The Collector. Also, yeah. he made Road Games, which is a film that I was never hot on. I, I, I didn't like Road Games. I could see the appeal, but it felt a bit messy to me. Right. And it was something that it was a train that I could just never commit to getting on had no such problems with a good woman is hard to find i think that for a cl- I'm, I, I, I'm not gonna sit here and be like oh should that be playing at a horror festival kind of thing did feel like a weird selection for a closing film I th- yeah i mean people said the same thing about climax last year but i think yeah that was such a such a spectacle that yeah you were able to kind of get by that to an extent it was like i suppose it's like having the raid close glasgow yeah yeah, yeah. is that a horror film no is that a spectacle also, who that cares? people can get? Yeah. No. Is that a spectacle that people can get on board with? One hundred percent. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And um, and I don't know if like, I, I don't think that a good woman's hard to find succeeds on that level. But I don't think it sets out to. I just think that having it closed is probably a, quite a strange piece of programming. But went down very well, and I really enjoyed it. I thought that, and and to be honest, like I left feeling like I'd watched a good closing film, which is not always the case. No, 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 no. Just, not looking not. at, not looking at anyone in particular. The signal, but like. Um, <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I came away from it um, having really enjoyed it and kind of, I think that, yeah, Sarah Bulger, who I am a very vocal fan of following Emily, I think is again really, really good here. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like, it's just, it's a solid crime drama that I think that I would probably enjoy sitting watching at home, but I enjoyed a lot with an audience. Yeah, I, I feel like it's better served at home. You think so? Yeah. I actually found it just a tiny bit bland. Okay. And to be honest, I feel as if, if, if I had watched it as the final film at Fright Fest, I would have been a little bit disappointed. That, oh, okay. that, that that was my final film. I mean, I think that's legitimate. It worked fine for me, like I say, but like I get the, I kind of, I get the inclination to pull away from it a little bit as a genre festival kind of booking. But yeah, no, I, 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 I don't have a problem with that. 
I don't have a problem with that at all. I don't think there's a question in my mind that it's a that it's a genre film, but I just don't, I don't know. I just felt that there was something a little bit lacking. I preferred road games, and really, I will, what I will say is, I thought Sarah. I do think Sarah Bolger is amazing in it. I there was a scene involving a dildo that I burst out laughing at. For my money, it kind of undid some of what was going on. Uh, that got a big laugh in the room. I. And I think it was played that way. I wasn't sure how that sat with the tone of the thing either. I really struggled with it. It felt incredibly jarring. The rest of it's so po-faced and, and serious and gritty, if you like. And then that scene, I was just like, fuck off. Okay, yeah, I mean, like, uh, I, I think that, like, uh, uh, in terms of balance and tones, I would say it's the only point where it really slips up. Yeah, and then I got back on board, like, in the last ten minutes when she's this angel of vengeance. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that stuff's great. Yeah, like, I, I think that, like, that, that's the stuff that really played well with the crowd, I think, as well. But yeah, overall, I thought I thought it was pretty good. And uh, that is just about it for viewing this week, to be honest. I, I'm going to try, I've got a couple of free evenings this week, so I'm going to try and squeeze in a little more. In fact, I'll tell you what I have got this week. On Thursday night, I am going to the Everyman in Glasgow, which I periodically mention every time I go to something that's like an event screening of something. Yeah, yeah, they, they're, they're doing a lot of good stuff there, so... Uh, yeah, they are, and um, they're doing a double bill on Thursday night of It Chapter 1 and 2. Ah! Yeah, I'm going to get myself along with that um, with my mate Mikey, I think, and uh, we're going to check that out. So I'm looking forward to being able to talk about that on uh, Monday. I have heard varying things. Yeah, I've heard I've heard good, scary, bloated, Yeah. Uh, which 2 hours 45, I mean, I'm kind of embraced for it to be a little bit that way. Apparently Bill Hader's phenomenal, though. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what's getting great reviews and I'm really excited about? joker what's that yes yeah i saw the responses coming in from venice this morning and it seems like everyone's kind of yeah. overwhelmingly positive yeah, about yeah. it but when are we actually getting it here uh 4th of october in the uk oh oh my god that's soon great 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 i'm looking for i'm looking forward to just like uh generally just getting a few more scary things at the cinema over the next few weeks yeah that's the day after my baby's due so uh i'm possible i won't catch that at the cinema <laughs> yeah you might you might just uh, i think that maybe call it in a free two hours might be trickier in that time <laughs> But yeah, that just about wraps up my view in this week with one obvious exception. Ah, he does indeed, and in spite of everything, I did manage to fit one in this week. Now I kind of want to qualify this, right? So I watched Eyes Without a Face this week. Right. Um, what did you I make quite, of it? I see, like I quite liked it. Right. But it's one of those things where, like, in all honesty, I have spent the remainder of this week since I got back being extremely tired and <laughs> having quite a, and having quite a lot to do. And I think that basically, I think it was like. It was like something like 10 o'clock on Thursday night or something like that. And I was like, I need to get one of these watched. So I just picked one and watched it. And I did like it. But at the same time, by about the 40 minute mark, I was like, I'm going to like this a lot more when I'm not half asleep. <laughs> sure. Right, so okay. I'm going to I'm going to say that Eyes Without a Face is pretty good with the caveat that I'm probably going to think it's great when I watch it again. I'm surprised that it didn't do more for you in the moment. It's one of those ones. It's probably the it's probably the only time so far, actually, where I was like, right, I need to get one of these on the scoreboard. Right. As opposed to being like, I'm going to watch a film. Which one from this list am I going to watch? I was just kind of like, right, let's pick one and get this done. Um. So but I basically just didn't want to have to come back and report that I hadn't watched one. <laughs> Okay, okay. Uh, on a personal <laughs> level, I think yeah. uh, Eyes Without a Face is a goddamn masterpiece. Yeah, I, I have a feeling I'll come around to something closer to that way of thinking with a little bit of time. Okay. Uh, so, feedback time and a decent amount this week. A big thank you to Nicholas Vince, finally joining us on the show for episode 68 to talk Hellbent this past week. You had a great time. I really did as well, and it was, um, it was nice talking to Nick both about that film 
um, and also just that this really really cool fun year that he's had um, and all these projects he's been involved in that sound great and uh, this upcoming one man show and stuff like that it was nice it felt like a really nicely rounded conversation and it was great to like we've been talking about getting Nick on the show for more than a year so um, it was nice to finally get him yeah so in a masterclass of organization I have sent you everything about Hellbent so um, <laughs> do you want to talk do you want to talk about those yeah, so we'll just kick off, man, with Scotty Hendry at Real Heel Scotty. Uh, get in touch to say, not a fan of Hellbent. Watched it ages ago and only got halfway through it before giving up. It's up there with Demon Wind for half-watch movies. Jesus. What? Offensive. But, but hey, I'm a few weeks from watching it, so I may give it another go. What I would say is that um, the kind of like third act of Hellbent is a lot of fun. Yeah, like I, I would say, it's it's worth going back and say, if you're even halfway curious, Scotty, I would say go back and stick with it because um, if there's even anything, if there's anything about it that's kind of kind of making you wonder how it's going to play out, then uh, yeah, it's really fun once once it kind of hits that stride. Also, finish watching Demon Wind. What are you doing? I know. Christ Almighty. <laughs> and obviously, staying with Hellbent, we've got Saltired Popcorn at Saltired Popcorn saying when you line up the latest episode of Strong Violent PC and realise you were thinking of the wrong movie. Uh, I'm going to risk listening to it anyway, despite not seeing the movie yet. Uh, and the mistaken movie was Hellbenders. From 2012, yes. Yes, yes not Hellbent. No, uh, Fatal Letter. But yeah, I think that I, th- I think that you should be you should get on fine with the episode without having seen the film. I think I think we, we hit enough of the plot beats so that you'll probably be able to ride along. Uh, either of those titles would work equally well after a like after a colon. <laughs> <laughs> Hellbenders. Hellbent. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Uh, I've got some stuff from Annika. Well, generally, I've got stuff on Jill's episodes. <laughs> right, okay. So um, Anaconda and Anacondas. Yeah, well, specifically, um, so Dave Cooper, Deluxe underscore man, uh, got in touch. And uh, obviously, we had Jill uh, Gavargazian on last week yes. uh, talking about Anaconda's Hunt for the Blood Orchid, having previously spoken about Anaconda, the original. Dave Cooper got in touch with a three tweet extended consideration on Anaconda. Good lord. Watching Anaconda due to the lovable at Strong Violent PC covering it a few weeks back. John Voight sneering and leering is a joy. The 30 seconds of Danny Trejo in the opening credits was most welcome. Also worth noting that it shares the same plot as Cannibal Ferox until, well, snakes. Also, Owen Wilson Wilson doesn't say wow once. That was the most disappointing part. (laughs) Uh, Did you see that recently Danny Trejo rescued a child from a car accident? I did see that. I did see that. Real life machete. Absolute hero. Love him. Yeah, uh, so uh, sticking with the big snakes, uh, we've got scaredsheepless.com. Caitlin, getting in touch to say, loving the strong, violent PC and Jill 6 Anacondas episode. Due to a terrific fear of snakes, yes, even bad CGI ones, uh, they are bad, they truly are. Yeah, um, they are bad, yeah. I can't watch the films, but get a lot of laughs out of the podcasts. Seeing a snake for real the other day had me yelp, run, and then dry retch for about 10 minutes. Um, Fucking hell. I don't know where uh, where you saw this real snake, but I can only guess that it was sprung on you in some way. <laughs> I suppose so, yeah. Um, you got anything else on Anaconda? I don't believe I do. Right, weirdly, I've got a decent amount of stuff still left, but hardly any of it is about specific episodes. Okay. Um, um, we have the return of The Shake 72. Hey, welcome back, sir. Uh, he's been stockpiling episodes over the summer, so he's uh, playing catch-up, and he said, catching up on all the Strong Violent PC episodes I've saved over summer, currently on the Gut Rot episodes. <laughs> Just want to say that while I still look forward to shaking the hands of Mitch and Andy at some point, I'd want to make sure that Andy has washed his first. <laughs> 
look, right, this is this is in <laughs> reference to, to me being quite open about my history as a young wanker. Yes. Right? <laughs> yeah. I, I can assure you, sir, that my hands are not dripping in semen at all times. <laughs> Hardly ever. Hardly, rarely ever. <laughs> Even less frequently in public. Yeah, that's. I mean, <laughs> you, have, you have acquired a bit of discretion in your old age. Yeah, and if you don't want to shoot my hands, hug me. Yeah, yeah. I'll do keep that, my hands. Out, my, keep my arms outstretched in front of me. Uh, I won't pat the back. Um, <laughs> and I can assure you that I smell incredible. So you know what you do. Yeah, I do. I, I know what I do. You do. So much of the time, we're just cutting out smelling spectacular. Um, <laughs> salt, salted popcorn. I got in touch. I just. I'm. I love the fact that secret obsession is now becoming a thing that we're all talking about right okay uh delighted by this fact salted popcorn got in touch uh saying i'm not sure if watchfires mitch mentioned beelzebuth dropping on shutter this week it looks good i can't remember if i did either but yeah it's out there yeah i don't remember uh, whether you did or not but i noticed sam zimmerman is uh screaming about it constantly on his twitter just now okay okay um he said i know watched get my gun on there but for now it's time for Secret Obsession. Expecting great things thanks to the chat at Strong Violent PC and a recommendation from Waddy and Drake, that being, of course, Mr. <laughs> John McPhail. So um, a conversation ensued after that where um, another former guest, Mitch Harrod, uh, Scout the Horizon on Twitter, got in touch saying, Get My Gun is a really fantastic little lo-fi revenge thriller. We really wanted it for Soho last year. All right. Which is a very considered and um, uh, worthwhile contribution to the discussion. John then jumped on the end of it saying, this tweet means nothing to me because it doesn't contain the, either the word secret or obsession. It's just how I roll now. <laughs> John's very quickly becoming the silent third man in this podcast. Yeah, I think so. But yeah, secret obsessions out there. Get watched. I want to talk about this one with everybody. I still haven't gotten around to it. In fact, I might do that very thing today. I've got some time this afternoon. It's it's honestly it's like eighty five minutes long and it is flaming hot garbage and it's so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, uh, get yeah, get that done. It's like it's. I think it w- it would be good stuff to have on while you're editing. I would say. Do you really think I can edit and watch things? Andy, I've seen you do it. <laughs> You got anything else? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ross McIntyre got in touch. Uh, Sane underscore man. Saying, this might be the best, most evil name I have ever heard of. Maybe a pitch name, eh? Strong Violent PC? And he sent us a photo of a business card that he seems to have received at uh, what I believe is his work. I believe he's a chef. Um, there is, okay. There is a, an array of high-end ovens in the background. Either that or he works in a, a Curry's or a Dixon's or something. I was going to say a high-end oven store. <laughs> But uh, yeah, the name on the card is Damien Fear. Ah, yes. Now, uh, some fun was had with this. Yeah, has, uh, he also has some initials after his name. CFSP. I don't know what that means. Given that, that this is in a kitchen, it could mean uh, cookers, fryers, spins and pans. I was guessing skillets and pans. Skillets and pans. <laughs> Perhaps a character that should be popping up in the next series of My Dad Wrote a Porno, which is back next week, by the way. Yes, very excited about that. Very excited about that. Um, so, yeah, I believe that... So there was some uh, discussion about the fact that um, this ha- all had a little bit of a Mitch's Pictures air to it. Yeah, Darren Gaskell at Darren underscore Gaskell weighing in after this. Uh, I wonder how many people have had an appointment with fear. <laughs> and then weighing in with what very much seems like a Mitch's pitch, uh, and I don't know if this is a job for me or a job for you, but I'll certainly uh, read it. Um, I'll, yeah, you can take the reins on that, I don't mind. <clears throat> When Damien Fear is conned by a bunch of unscrupulous yuppies into selling his haunted house attraction, A Place of Fear, <laughs> for a ridiculously <laughs> small amount, his mounting financial worries push him to the brink of insanity. A Place of Fear is redeveloped into a swanky wine bar, 
and a grand opening party night is planned. However, Damien has other ideas and gains access to the venue on the afternoon of the party, waiting for the yuppies and their VIP guests to arrive. Get ready for the claret to flow in 1985's Appointment with Fear. That's really good. Yeah. Really like that. Have you got anything else? Uh, no. I have one more, and it's Scotty Henry again, actually. So, Scotty mentioned earlier that he was not so hot on Hellbent. Yeah. However, got back in touch saying, big thank you to Strong Violent PC for making me watch Death Spa. It's so good. Would never have heard of it otherwise. You are about as welcome as it's possible to be. Death Spa is a sensation. Uh, I've said it many times before. We've covered it on the show. It's simply the best film about a killer gym ever. That's definitely in my top three. (laughs) (laughs) That just about concludes the feedback with one obvious exception. It is, once again, time for Mitch's Pitches. Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. While we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone. It will be of a poster from a horror film from years gone by. Andy will have photoshopped out the title, the tagline, any identifying text, leaving only the image. It will fault me to describe the image to the best of my ability and to give the film a title and a synopsis based on that image. We'll also post it everywhere so you guys can play along as well. So last week we had the stepfather. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah. Uh, reappropriated by me as murders and acquisitions, and um, sure. the, uh, the the pitches were uh, rolling in thick and fast for this one. Okay. So I'm um, Andy McEwen getting in touch on Twitter. Okay. When best-selling novelist D.B. Steele gets writer's block, his agent suggests a trip to Switzerland to her ski lodge near CERN. He agrees, and once there, tries to start his new book. However, at the same time, the super collider... This is actually really funny. He agrees, and once there, tries to start his new book. However, at the same time, a super collider experiment goes wrong, sending D.B. into an alternate universe, where he finds himself transferring universes every eight hours as the collider reboots. Is there more to worry DB than his not-so-friendly universes? And can he be saved? Find out in 1982's sci-fi adventure, CERN, CERN, and CERN some more. <laughs> Hanny adds Hanny underscore Ray on Twitter. A man starts to suspect that he's responsible for a recent murder spree after becoming possessed by the lingering reflection of a serial killer trapped in a mirror in the bathroom of his new apartment. It's 1986's Mirror Killer. All right, okay, okay. CP Buckley on Instagram. Now, I like CP's pitches because they're always serious. <laughs> it's a welcome change sometimes. Um, although although there's, um, there's, some, there's some good name game going on in here that's a little bit tongue-in-cheek. However, he doesn't have a title here, which is a shame, but there's some really great names. When recent widower Joseph Beardman wakes up one morning and looks in the mirror to see the face of his dead serial killer father, Rupert No More Beardman, looking <laughs> back at him, he realises that a string of recent copycat killings aren't copycats at all, but the spirit of his e- evil father. Now Joseph, with the help of his 12-year-old son Hampton Beardman, must find a way to vanquish his father's evil spirit before it takes Hampton's body and starts a new life of murder. <laughs> talk about, I want to talk about the name Hampton Beardman. <laughs> sure. Which I think is fantastic. Tony Constantino. Yeah. When the Zelinsky family is forced to remortgage their home after recent mishaps caused their insurance policies to skyrocket, bumbling patriarch Wayne finds himself in deep water when he's denied help from embittered bank advisor Horace Twat. <laughs> is this the next part in the Honey I Shrunk the Kids? Desperate, Wayne uses his latest invention to disappear Horace and all his problems. However, hijinks quickly ensue when he finds the banker's otherworldly spirit trapped in his bathroom cabinet. Now Wayne must find a way to free Twat's ghost and secure that new mortgage somehow before his family finds out and leaves him for good. First he shrunk the kids, then he blew up the kid, 
Then he shrunk himself. Now he's about to make his ultimate mistake in 86 minutes of mind-numbing, mildly amusing, mild-mannered Rick Moranis-rated misadventure. This December, colour yourself baffled with the fourth entry in this long-dead franchise that almost nobody asked for. It's Disney's Honey, I Killed Her Mortgage Advisor. (laughs) (laughs) Also featuring the return of Steve Gutenberg for some reason. (laughs) And finally, Kevin Matthews. Yeah. Uh, he says, fuck's sake, we all assume Mitch won't recognize the Quinn King in The Stepfather. Correct. Yeah. Alternatively, though, when too many jumps turns Sam's brain to mush and he lands on the body of serial killer Jacob Slatter. <laughs> 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 that crept up on me. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. He starts to see all of the bodies of the people he had previously saved. Plagued by these visions, he hunts down some of the previous bodies and constantly makes things worse as they refuse to listen to his obviously mental rambling, resulting in Sam eventually killing everyone he'd once helped. It's a 1990 (laughs) twist on the popular TV show, Quantum Creep. (laughs) Very enjoyable stuff across the board. So, uh, false cue for best character name and best pitch. So, best character name, 100%, is going to Jacob Slader. Yep, sure. (laughs) No qualms with that whatsoever. Uh, and uh, the uh, the best pitch, uh, you uh, also to Kevin, I think. Okay, quantum creep, fair play. <laughs> a double a, a double helping of nothing, winging its way to Kevin. Yeah, congratulations, sir. Enjoy it and uh, use it wisely. Yeah, don't spend it all at once. So uh, I guess it's my turn now. Then. Yeah. Uh, are you ready? Yeah, sure. Is this on its way? Yeah. Quite a lot going on in this one. Just to warn <coughs> you. Fucking hell. Okay, you're not joking. <laughs> Okay, right, let's see. So the background of the image is black and misty. We also, it seems that it seems like we're in a supermarket. Particularly, Correct. we are at cashier point five of the supermarket, <laughs> judging by the illuminated white, red, and orange uh, sign behind us. Uh, there's also a little bit of bunting in the background, as far as I can tell. Um, we're at a till. Um, uh, there are some shelves that have some canned goods on them in the background. There's also a sign uh, advertising a sale on something. Uh, there's a till in the foreground of the image. There is a uh, flat work surface or table that has a uh, chopped up human head on it, a couple of cans of very generic domestic looking beer, um, a, <laughs> a sliced up human forearm, what looks like a bottle of ketchup, a carton of milk, uh, some vegetables, some mustard, eggs and bread pouring out of a brown shopping bag. Uh, standing behind the table holding a cleaver is a man with grey hair and a receding hairline. He is smiling demonically into the camera, if you like, at the viewer, and he's wearing a pale blue work shirt with the sleeves rolled up. Okay. The image has no border. <laughs> the icing on the cake there. That <laughs> had to be done. Um, right, okay, I will, uh, I'll need a moment, probably more than a moment, because that's a very busy image. Take all the time you need, sir. Well, not all the time you need, because we've both got things to do today. The guy looks a little bit like Stanley. Yeah, yeah, I see that. I see that, definitely. Uh, okay. Let's see. You there? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Go on then. When downtrodden supermarket cashier Elroy Humdrum is struck by a (laughs) falling crate of bread, mustard, and eggs, he's rushed to hospital and is eventually revived after being declared legally dead for seven minutes. Having spent those minutes in conversation with the devil, he realizes his dark (laughs) past has consigned him to an afterlife of working as Satan's payroll administrator. 
Rather than attempting to mend his ways in his time back on Earth, Elroy resigns himself to his fate and embarks on a consequence-free revenge mission against those who did him wrong. In 1992's Nightmare Cashier 3, Seven Minutes in Hell, die once, get one free. (laughs) Thank you, Mitch. You're very welcome. How wrong am I? Uh, What year did you say? I said 1992. Uh, Well, the year was 1989. So, not a million miles away. The director was Scott Spiegel, and the film was Intruder. Intruder, okay. I got some synopsis there for me on that one. I do, and what I will say about Intruder is it's fucking excellent. Um, There's a a Blu-ray out just now from 88 films of Intruder. Um, Well worth getting your hands on. Uh, But the synopsis is as follows. Coming this week from Ed Sutton. Okay. The ex-boyfriend of a checkout girl at a supermarket returns at closing time to make trouble. They quarrel and the boyfriend is ejected from the store. After they lock the building up to take inventory, the employees start dying off and the survivors must eventually find a way to escape with their lives. Oh. To head you off here, yes, it's good. Okay, Great fun, great effects, very, very gory. One of the characters, one of your main characters is played by Sam Raimi. Oh, nice. Uh, Bruce Campbell pops up later on as a cop. It's a great film. Well worth your time. Get it checked out. Sweet. Sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, That image is everywhere. So uh, get pitching. We love hearing from you on this. We really do. Please do. Get it done. Get it done. So moving on then to the streaming platforms this week. Yes. You guys did not let us down on the request for musical interludes. Um, that was um, created, written, and produced by uh, Tony Constantinou, whose behind-the-scenes contributions to this show now exceed my own. <laughs> there might be truth in that. I think it is true, uh, because he's done the website, and now this. <laughs> and I've got to be honest with you, did contribute the vector of your face for the uh, incredibly popular Mitchie's Bitches t-shirt. Which, by the way, um, uh, I saw a couple of people had picked up some more of those this week. Dennis Extra Atherton. Yeah, yeah, I Dennis believe, has got uh, one. Yeah, picked one up, so big thank you to that. Yeah, those are still on sale for some reason at our Tee Public page. <laughs> Tony himself uh, posted that he had accidentally got two of them. I think I, th- I think that he he got two, one to wear and one to frame because he designed it. Um, <laughs> but but actually ended up getting three. Wow. Which is, which is arguably three more than any one person needs. If I could be asked, I would have them in all all the colours. <laughs> all the colours of the rainbow. Well, yeah, yeah, um, well, yeah, yeah, not just the three standard colours that we have for sale. Yeah, um, uh, but yes, uh, the streaming platforms this week. There is a decent amount of stuff coming this week, to be honest. Um, Netflix, we have on September sixth, Hellfest. Right. Okay. Um, a serial killer picks off a group of friends one by one as they move through a hell themed fairground. Um, Sky Cinema, available now uh, missed this last week because I kind of do it month by month so obviously this kind of got cut off by the copy machine it actually came out uh, on Sunday Right. Um, but available now, The Vanishing uh, this looks good, 88% Rotten Tomatoes as well, three lighthouse keepers arrive on an isolated island off the Scottish coast and find an object that becomes the catalyst to a struggle for survival as they are each overcome by greed and paranoia um, so staying with Sky Cinema September 4th <laughs> we've got something called Cutterhead Right, okay. Um, the uh, synopsis there, a woman has to overcome claustrophobic conditions when she visits a tunnel boring machine. <coughs> what? Yep, you heard correctly. Fine, fine, moving yep, on. Yep, 
Um, uh, December, apparently it's really good. Um, September 5th uh, on there as well, Darkness Visible. London-born Ronnie travels to India after his mother goes missing, only to make a gruesome discovery in a strange hospital. This mystical murder mystery is an excellent feature film debut from director Neil Biswas. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, Amazon Prime, not much going on there, uh, horror-wise. But Shudder, on the 5th, we have uh, The Wrath. Right. So uh, this is from 2018. In the household of Lee Gion Jin, a high-ranking official of the Joseon Kingdom, three sons die from an unidentified horror. A woman pregnant with a child of the third son soon learns of the evil spirit that haunts the house. Uh, so that's landing on Shudder on the 5th. There's some really interesting stuff coming to Shudder next week, by the way. We'll cross that bridge when we get there, but some really cool stuff that I've seen at a couple of festivals before that I'm looking forward to talking about. But for now, that's just about it on the streaming platforms. Excellent. Thank you for that, Mitch. That was incredibly elucidating and illuminating as always. Thank you very much. So, turning our attentions then to this week's show. And I'm really excited about this for multiple reasons. One, it's a Scottish guest, which is always fun. Yeah. Two, it's an in-person guest. <laughs> which is always even more fun. And three, it's the director of my favourite film from Fright Fest 2019. It is the man behind Death of a Vlogger, Mr. Graham Hughes. Yeah, I can't wait for this. Uh, I reached out to Graham to come on uh, and he leapt at the chance. Excellent. I'm looking really, really looking forward to this. Um, did I tell you about this actually? Just just before just before we get in fact, just before we get to the film that he's chosen. See when I got back to Glasgow on Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, after Fright Fest, fresh from uh, and very much enthused by Death of a Vlogger. Right, yeah, sure. I I was walking to the train to get back to my flat. Um, at Central Station, and I walked past the guy who plays Steve in the film. All right, okay. Uh, so I was power walking to the train because I was running a little bit late. So I didn't really have time to stop and engage him in conversation. So rather than not do anything, what I did instead was, as I was running past him, go, mate, were you in Death of a Vlogger? To which he was like, he looked kind of baffled and was like, yes. And then I genuinely, as the train doors were closing on me, I was like, I just saw a fry vest. It was fucking brilliant. <laughs> Was he at Fright Fest or no? No, so no I, I, he was literally Patrick just the, the poor bastard was literally just going about his business. Like, yep, yep. Just, <laughs> just, just, just cutting about being a normal guy and then just having uh, strange stuff shouted at him by a strange man, fresh from and presumably looking suitably dishevelled of uh, from like five days at the festival and stuff like that. Uh, so I must have looked really haggard, but at least I was being positive, you know. Yeah, just, uh, just a mad tramp shouting at him in the train station, much like you could expect. More or less anywhere in Scotland. Yeah, but that was that was just a sideline. But yeah, Graham Hughes, uh, the director of Death of a Vlogger, joining us this week in person, which will be fun. Which film has he chosen? We're going back to 1996, and oh. it's a weird one, slightly out of the norm. Okay. So it's Michael Douglas. Okay. And Val Kilmer. Uh-huh. And the Ghost in the Darkness. So it's those two guys against a bunch of lions. The Ghost in the Darkness. The Ghost and the Darkness. The Ghost and the Darkness. Okay. Um, yeah, I see it there. So if anybody's wanting to catch up with this, it looks like it's available to rent and buy through all the usual channels in the UK. You can definitely get it on a, a Amazon Video. Yeah. I'm just having a wee look just now. So it's pretty accessible. Uh, the Ghost and the Darkness yeah. is the topic of episode 69 when we're joined by Death of a Vlogger's Graham Hughes. It's going to be a fun time. Yeah, and I see it as a little bit out of the norm, um, although it is a bunch of guys hunting some lions. It's worth talking about, I think, because uh, as far as I know... And I could be wrong here, but I'm pretty sure I'm not. This film's got a pretty interesting history in terms of 
uh, Michael Douglas being a cunt as a producer. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so, always like hearing those stories. Not yeah. specifically stories about Michael Douglas being a cunt, but like troubled production stories always interest me. So yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Ghost in the Darkness this week. Great stuff. Now, if you want to get in touch with us about that or anything else we've been talking about today, you can, of course, do that. I and mean, we would love you to. All the usual channels for that then, Facebook and Instagram, we're Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us at Strong Violent PC and you can email us longer considerations, musical interlude suggestions, Mitch's pitches suggestions, listener choice episode suggestions, and much, much more to stronglanguagevalentscenes at gmail.com. Yes, thank you, Mitch. And if you want to listen to us, certainly the main places you can listen to us are listed on our website, strongviolentpod.com strongviolentpod.com which by the way is now out there go take a look at it yeah yeah and a big thanks as always and special mention to Podbean our home our hosts and top lads yeah all around top lads they never miss a release day yeah yeah and I just want to reassure everyone that I'm watching alright and as much as that's a reassurance to the listener it's also a threat to the providers <laughs> I'm watching your uncle, your, uncle, your uncle Andy is watching yeah I'm watching I, you miss a release date then just all about say is do so at your own risk. Yeah, you will get you will get savaged. Yeah. For the next episode. Yeah. <laughs> we are back on Friday talking the ghost and the darkness with Graham Hughes. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chubs. Goodbye. Goodbye. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean. <laughs>